0: Fantastic. Hope you're back. Thank you for showing me the money. I think we raised $1.4 million, uh, in those five minutes, uh, so let's make sure that we support CPC. Uh, we're going to move into our time of uh, the sermon, and uh, we have been working on a sermon series called God Our Father, uh, looking at the fatherhood of God. And so we're actually going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to look at a passage from Isaiah Uh, which was written 700 years before the coming of Christ. And so this is Isaiah 49, 8 through 18. Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor I have answered you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out. To those who are in the darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways. On all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst. Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west and these from the land of Syene. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste go out from you. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather, they come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them on, all on, as an ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride does. This is God's word. Thank you, God. Well, I hope everyone has enjoyed the week of sheltering in place. Um, Everyone is home and my family, and school has started again, digital school and work, and so everybody's sort of staked out their own territory and is guarding it uh, viciously. Uh, The schools have sent everybody home. My, uh, My son, who's at college, has come. And you have to think to yourself, why in the midst of these uh, particular epidemic and, and challenges have has everybody uh, been called home? And the answer, of course, is home is a place of safety. Home is a place where you belong. When things are challenging or tough, or you need, when you need a refuge, if you will, you go home. I hear that there are over 13,000 Americans that are still trapped overseas uh, because of uh, quarantine and so forth. And, Uh, They're uh, in all different countries, and they're longing to come home, and yet they can't come home. And I'm sure deep within their hearts is a desire to return to the safety of their home. This passage is about coming home. You see, during this time that Isaiah is prophesying, Israel has been exiled. The nation of Israel has been conquered by the Babylonians, and the people have been carted off far away to Babylon, they, uh, and the result of that, uh, the, the reason that has happened is because they did not obey the Lord. They did not follow him. And God warned them again and again. And because they did not follow, he allowed them to be conquered. And they were taken to Babylon. And so they're in the midst of longing to go back home. I believe, and the scriptures tell us this is true, that there is a longing in our hearts for a spiritual home. You see... Home is really the place where God is, for He is our Heavenly Father. We were not made to live independent and separate from Him. We were not made to socially and spiritually distance from one another. But like the Israelites, we also have been exiled. Because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, we have been exiled away from our home and from the presence of God. And so the question that we have to ask and get answered is, how do we get home? Indeed, does God even want us to come home? The good news that we see here in this passage, and the good news of the gospel, is that God is calling us home. God has sent a Savior to make a way, and that for the people of God, God is leading us home. And though the journey is long, And we can falter. God has not forgotten us. He will lead us home. You see, the Lord will never forget us. Although we sometimes feel forgotten, the Lord is in the process bringing us to his house, and one day we will be with him forever. So how do we not lose heart in the midst of this long spiritual journey to go home? I think we have to do three things. Number one, we have to trust his plan. God has a plan to bring us home, and we must trust it. Number two, we have to believe in his promises. God has given us his promise of who he is and what he's going to do and how he feels about us, so we must believe his promise. And finally, we must take the opportunity, number three, to rejoice in his goodness along the way, for the Lord is with us. I think what this passage ultimately is trying to tell us is to never forget that God never forgets you and me. Well, let's begin and look with uh, point number one, to trust his plan. Again, the Israelites have been exiled to Babylon. See, God took these Israelites out of Egypt and he made them his people. He made a covenant with them. He called Israel his son, his child, and he promised to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where he would place his presence and he would dwell with them. And along with this covenant that God made with his people Israel, he put blessings and curses into them. In other words, if you obey me, if you trust in me, if you follow my ways, I will bless you with all of these promises. But if you refuse to obey me, if you rebel against me, then you will experience the curse of being cast out of this land, cast out of my presence, given over into the hands of your enemies. And this is exactly what's happened. In this passage, Isaiah is prophesying to the Israelites who are in Babylon, and God has decreed for them an exile of 70 years, that they are to be in Babylon for their neglect of keeping his Sabbath year For the last 490 years. And when God visits Isaiah. And Isaiah looks upon God in chapter 6 of Isaiah. He says, woe is me. For I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In other words, I'm not worthy to speak to you. I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that the people that I live with are sinners. Why would you come to us? Woe is me, but God speaks to Isaiah and tells him, I have not forgotten you, that I'm going to bring you back, that I'm going to have compassion on you. Now how is this going to be accomplished? Israel has no army, Israel has no king, and yet God promises to bring them back. God says in verse 8 of this passage, thus says the Lord, In a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages. Now notice these words. He's saying, I have answered you. I have helped you. I will keep you. I will give you. Who is it that God is speaking to here? This you that God is speaking to is actually one who is called the servant of the Lord. See, God has appointed one to bring the Israelites out of captivity. In verse 5 of this chapter, which is uh, not on your uh, screen here, it says, And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. God has sent is going to send a champion, if you will, for Israel. Now, it's important to understand that Israel is a microcosm of us, his church. Isaiah is prophesying 700 years before the coming of Christ, but in the same way as the Israelites have been exiled. People, humanity has been exiled from God for refusing to obey him, to refusing to follow his ways. Was not God's command to humanity to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself? But we haven't done that. And so man was cast out of the garden, man and woman, cast out of the presence of the Lord, and has lived in exile away from him. And so, how can we come home to God? We need a champion. We need God to send someone, to lead us, for we don't know the way. And so this servant of the Lord that Isaiah is speaking of is not only for the Israelites, but he's really prophesying for us. He's prophesying for the world. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Notice how God says, I will keep you, Jesus, and give you as a covenant to the people. See, what God is saying is, even though you people could not follow the covenant, that you could not be obedient to me, excuse me, that you would not be obedient to me, that you would not trust me, I will send one who will be. I will send one who will represent you, who will be the covenant to you. And he will honor me all the days of his life. He will be the one that will bring back to you the blessing that I wanted for you to bring you to myself, to heaven, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to my presence, to dwell with you. See, we were made to honor God and we failed, and so we received the curse. But God has sent his servant, Jesus Christ, to bring us the blessing. When Jesus Christ came, he spoke of his coming as the time of favor and the day of salvation. Second Corinthians six 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this, uh, actually mirroring and hearkening back to this passage. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so Jesus has come to rescue us from sin. But his ministry is not only to set us free from the bondage of sin, but to lead us all the way home into God's presence. And so notice in this passage what God says that Christ is going to do as he shepherds us to our home. In verse 8 he says that you will establish the land, that you will apportion the desolate heritages. He's speaking about when God gave the Israelites the land of Canaan, that It was called the promised land and that he divided it up so that the tribes would have a place to live. In the same way, Jesus said to his disciples and he says to us, In my Father's house are many mansions. Would I tell you if it were not so? And so I go and prepare a place for you that you may be with me also. Jesus is preparing a home for us an inheritance for each one of us. Verse 9, it says that he will say to the prisoners, come out to those who are in the darkness. No matter how deep the dungeon and the pit of sin that you're in, no matter how far away you are, God will come and find you through Jesus Christ. No matter how deep The darkness, God can bring you out into the light, and he will. Verse 10, they shall feed along the ways. On all the bare heights shall be their pasture. God promises us that there will be sustenance and provision for us on this journey of faith that we're living right now. He's speaking to those who follow Jesus Christ. And the beauty of the gospel is anyone can make him Lord and Savior. But he says, I will meet your needs. I will meet your needs for love, for unconditional acceptance, for care, for fellowship, for people. I'll also meet your physical needs of hunger and thirst. Notice verse 10, they shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. Our Lord is not someone who is going to lead us into the desert and leave us there. Rather, although there is a scorching wind, and although there is a hot sun, the God will shelter us and protect us in Christ, for he has pity on us. He will lead us. See, Jesus is not one who leads from the back. But he's one who goes before, through his Holy Spirit. Did he not live as a man before us, being tempted in every way, yet being without sin? And so the beauty of the Christian gospel is that Christ is alive, he is risen. If you go to all the tombs of the other major prophets, you'll find them there. But if you visit the tomb of Jesus Christ, it's empty. It's empty. Because he is alive, and he is leading you and me. And I will make all my mountains, verse 11, a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Jesus is saying that I will create a path to get you from the point that you're at in this life, ultimately, to my house. How can he do that? Well, the answer is because he made the mountains. And he's in charge of all circumstances. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so he can create a path where there is no path. He can sustain us and strengthen us when we have no energy, when all forces seem arrayed against us. For it does not matter how far off from God you are. Isaiah 49, 12 says, Behold, these shall come from afar, And behold, these from the north, and from the west, and these from the land of Syene. Syene was a point at the southernmost part of Egypt, which was south of Israel. What he's showing here is the the points of a compass. In other words, the return of the Jews from Babylon is only a foretaste of the return to God, of his people from every tongue, and tribe, and nation. As Isaiah is uttering these words and Israel is hearing them while they're still in captivity, it must be hard. God is working, but they could not see. They had to embrace God's work by faith. In the same way, church, we are on a journey. Christ has come, but we're not home yet. Not until he comes again to establish his kingdom, heaven on earth. And so we look at this world and look at the craziness going on. For many of us have had our lives sort of upturned. Our own lives, in our own lives, the challenges that we're facing give us pressure to doubt, to disbelieve. But God promises to lead us and bring us home. And it's what He is doing right now. We must simply hold fast and believe. My family took the annual pilgrimage to Florida over spring break a couple of weeks ago. It feels like years. And so we go down to uh, Melbourne, Florida. That's where we've gone the last couple of years. And uh, I don't know if I'm, you're of the old school uh, where you go to AAA and you get the maps printed out. If so, I think I can use the accurate term to describe you as troglodyte. <laughs> no, no. That was, that was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. But Waze, or at least Google Maps is the way to go. These are apps that you can put on your phone that literally can track the traffic, track the distance, see where you are at GPS, and plot a path for you that is constantly changing. And so we followed the ritual right when we started our path. We put in where we were supposed to go, and Waze, W-A-Z-E. Punched in and did all of its uh, magic, and the magic elves did their calculating. And boom, out came the path. Take this road, take this path. Now, of course, at the beginning, the roads are very familiar. And it's very exciting, right? But soon, we were on roads that we were not familiar with. In areas that we did not often go. We were in new states, we found ourselves in North Carolina, and then in Mexico as we went south of the border. You see, as we looked around, it could have been tempting to say, wait a second, Waze, you've got it wrong. I think maybe part of us thought that we would leave Virginia and somehow magically snap our fingers and show up in Florida. But that's not the way it works, is it? But Waze continued telling us when to take a right and when to take a left. See, Ways is saying, I know the plan. I can see what is up ahead. The only question is, do you trust me? And sure enough, following it blindly, if you will, in the end, it got us to our destination. See, what Isaiah has prophesied here, Jesus has fulfilled and is fulfilling. For he was the covenant. He has rescued us and will rescue anyone who calls on his name, who trusts in his finished work on the cross. And he's promising to lead us home. And so we must trust his plan. Is there heartache in your life right now? Are you experiencing sickness? Has someone in your family died? Not from COVID-19 that hasn't quite hit us yet, though there are people and relations and people that we know where that is quite a possibility. God says, I will feed you. I will lead you. And I will satisfy you. Are you afraid that God will abandon you along the path? God says... Along this path that I am leading you, you will not hunger or thirst. Neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike you. For I have pity on you, and by springs of water I will guide you. If you have a feeling in your heart right now that I've lost everything, that my life is amounting to nothing, Jesus is establishing a land for you. He's apportioning a heritage, a place to call home. He's bringing you home. And so trust in his plan. This brings me to my second point, that we must not only trust in his plan, but receive his promises. Look at verse 14, but Zion says, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Zion is another way of saying Israel. It's as if Israel is saying Isaiah, well, that's all very nice, I'm sure but it really has nothing to do with me. God will surely do it for these other people, but God has given up on me. Surely God does not feel this way about me. For look at my circumstances. You see, they feel forgotten. Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever felt like no one cared? Like no one remembered you or knew you? Maybe God had forgotten about you. God wants to tell the Israelites, and he wants to tell us. He wants to reassure us that what he is saying he will accomplish. And so in verse 15 he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. God is bringing up the connection between a woman and a child, for it may be the strongest bond that there is in humanity. It's almost mystical, if you will. I have had opportunities to watch my wife uh, as uh, someone threaten their children, uh, whether it be uh, reputation or whatever it is, not even necessarily physically. And when Mama Bear comes out, You better get out of the way. My wife is constantly worrying over our children. Constantly. Well, why is that? Can a woman forget a nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? God says, even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. In other words, God is saying, my bond for you is even greater than one of a woman for her nursing child. It's an even greater intensity, a greater ferocity, a greater passion. Even though earthly love may cease, heavenly love is forever. Although I often forget the Lord throughout the day, He never forgets me. Behold, God says in verse 16, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Now there's one way not to forget something, it's to engrave it on your body. I remember uh, Lee Ellen telling me about a friend in high school who had a fanatical crush on a boy and so she carved his name uh, with a knife on her arm or on her body somewhere. Well, lo and behold, it's still there. Much to her misery, I'm sure. Because it's been engraved. But God says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I remember the days before the uh, iPhone and before even the Palm Pilot. Remember the original Palm Pilot? This was the original Palm Pilot. When you wanted to remember something, you would take a pen and you would write it right here. So that you wouldn't forget what it was that you were supposed to do. And God is saying, I have engraved your name on the palm of my hands. See, God not only leads us by his hand, he keeps us in his hand. Your walls are continually before me. God is talking about the broken walls of Jerusalem. That even though the Israelites are trapped in Babylon... I have not forgotten your home. I have not forgotten your condition. I know that not all is well yet. And so I will rebuild. And I am rebuilding and restoring and bringing you to myself. Verse 17, your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste go out from you. Your builders make haste. In other words, I'm preparing. It may seem to you slow but I am working right on schedule. I am busy doing what needs to be done to bring you to myself. Those who laid waste to you, your enemies, I've driven out from you and I will give you triumph over them. Verse 18, lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them all on as an ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride does. He uses the picture God does of a mother welcoming her children, and a woman putting on her wedding gown. Both days that a woman looks forward to. In other words, there will be joy in the future. I have plans for you, child. How could I forget you? You may feel like God has forgotten you. You may feel... You may be in Babylon right now. Maybe you've lost your job or getting ready to lose your job. Maybe you're in the midst of prolonged illness and your condition isn't changing and it's the same thing day after day after day. Maybe you're in the middle of a broken relationship and the pain hurts your heart and you want it to go away. Maybe you're experiencing mental illness. And it's hard to understand what's true and what's not true. The one thing that is true. Can a woman forget her nursing child? God has not forgotten you. The promise that he has for his people, for those who choose to follow Christ, is that your walls are continually before me. I've engraved you on the palm of my hand. So brothers and sisters, rest in knowing that you're loved. That he's thinking of you. That he's gathering you to himself. With haste. Never forget that God never forgets you. And so along this path, my final point. As we journey from spring to spring. Challenge to challenge. We can rejoice in his goodness. Verse 13, God calls upon nature. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. God is calling on nature to rejoice in what he's doing. If you read the beginning of Isaiah, he called upon nature to witness that they had rebelled against him, But now the calling is different. He says to rejoice. For God has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. God has comforted us with his word and with this message of hope. He's comforted us with the blood-stained hands of Jesus Christ and the crown of thorns. For if God will sacrifice his son for us, will he not graciously give us all things? He will have compassion on us. There are many things that I have learned from my daughter, Maria, but one of the best I have learned is that of anticipation. Maria will come to me and say, I can't wait for my birthday. Maybe three months from her birthday. It doesn't matter. I can't wait. She's thinking of it. She's thinking of the joy and the happiness. Even while it's a long while off, she knows that the day is coming. It's her. In the hardness and challenges of the day. My friends, even the, in the challenging times that we have, salvation is coming. God is working. So trust his plan. Believe his promise. Rejoice in his goodness. Sing for joy, O oh people. For God is calling us home. Don't lose sight. Don't lose hope. Soon we will get to Florida. Never forget that God never forgets you. Let's pray. Oh Father, thank you that when we were sitting in the dungeon, you sent your Son Jesus who opened the doors, who called us out, and who is leading us on this path. And though there are ups and downs, you've never left us, you've never forsaken us, and you promised to lead us home. God, help us to trust in your plan, even when we can't see the way. Help us to believe your promise that you have engraved us on the palm of your hand and put a new song in our mouth, a word of praise and rejoicing. God, for you are with us, and surely your promises will come to fruition. And I pray that we would never forget that you never forget us. Pray all of this in Christ's name.